0: You're listening to Senior Times podcasts. Thanks to our sponsors Expressway, Travel Department and Doro Phones, for making this podcast possible.
1: welcome at Walton's. Do drop in if you happen to be passing 2 to 5 North Frederick Street, Dublin 1. As usual, this is Leo Maguire wishing all our friends of Irish music at home in Ireland or across the Irish Sea a very happy weekend. And Walton's last word is if you feel like singing, do sing an Irish song.
0: Do sing an Irish song. Well, that was the very distinctive voice and signature tune of Leo Maguire. And he presented the Waltons programme, the sponsored programme on RT Radio, for 30 years in the 50s, 60s and 70s. An extraordinary character. He was a trained opera singer and he wrote lots and lots of uh, hit songs. I bet you didn't know that he wrote The Dublin Saunter, made famous by Noel Purcell. But I think his biggest hit was... The Whistling Gypsy with Joe Glenroe Lynch.
2: The gypsy rover came over the hill Down through the valley so shady He whistled and sang till the green woods rang And he won the heart of a lady Adi-do, do not day Daddy. He whistled and sang till the green woods rang, and he won the heart of a lady. She left her father's castle gate, she left her fair young lover, she left her servants and her state To follow the gypsy rover Her father saddled up his fastest speed He ranged the valleys all over He sought his daughter at great speed And the whistling gypsy rover do. Addy-doo-da-day, de. de doo dee de de. He whistled and sang till the green woods rang, and he won the heart of a lady. Her father came to a mansion fine down by the river. Lady, and there was music, and there was wine for the gypsy and his lady. He is no gypsy, my father dear, but lord of these lands all over. I'm going to stay till my dying day with my whistling gypsy roll over Adi Do Adi Do Da de Adi Do Adi Day He whistled and sang till the green woods rang and he won a heart of a lady Joe Lynch, can you believe
0: that? Nineteen fifty two. And uh, the song was written by Leo Maguire and as I said he wrote lots of other lots of other songs that were recorded. So he was a, an extraordinary character. I know when we used to listen to that program in the fifties, we hated it. When the Waltons program was so yesterday and Elvis was coming along and rock and roll and it was the. my father would be to turn up that program, the Waltons, and we'd be kind of saying, turn it down. But um, as you get older, you do learn to love it and a part of the history of radio and RTE. This is The Freshman.
3: It's the little old lady from Pasadena
4: The little old lady from Pasadena Go, ready go ready go there's a pretty little flower made of white cardenas ready go ready go ready go What part in a rickety old we is a brand new shiny red superstar star car and everybody knows that there's nobody meaner a little old lady from pasadena she drives she drives she drives so hard It's the
3: little old lady from Pasadena If you see her on the
4: street, don't try to choose her Go Penny, go Benny, go Benny, go, Benny, go You may take her on the streets, but you'll never lose her Go Benny, go Benny, go Benny, go She's gonna get a ticket now, sooner or later But you can't, can't keep her, keep her, her foot off the accelerator Little old lady from Pasadena
3: Go, Granny, go, Granny, go, baby, go baby. Go, Granny, go, 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 baby, go, baby, go The guys can to
4: reach from miles around But you'll give them a lift and shut them down <laughs> And everybody knows that there's nobody me
3: It's the little old lady
0: from Pasadena It's the little old lady from Pasadena There goes Granny off into the sunset on her motorcycle. So that's a cool rockin' Granny. The little old lady from Pasadena in the 60s. I loved Billy Brown, and uh, I loved Eric Dean, the Freshman. They were a great band, and uh, they did a lot of uh, of Beatles stuff, and they did a lot of Beach Boy stuff. So I was very fond of them. Do you remember there was a band that had three or four hits, which I liked very much, in the 60s? And they were called the Rockin' Berries. (laughs) tell me he's back in town. That's the Rocking Berries from Liverpool, and that was a big hit in the 60s. Their other big hit was called Poor Man's Son, which I remember very well. And uh, without uh, breaking in tradition, um, this is
5: Elvis Presley. You're so young and beautiful and I love you so Your lips so red Your eyes that shine Shame the stars that glow So fill these
3: lonely eyes And kiss me then
0: That was the Frank Sinatra show, uh, black and white, 1960, that welcomed uh, Elvis back from the army. And uh, initially, Frank Sinatra was very suspicious uh, of rock and roll and thought that what Elvis was doing was not real music and not real singing, but they became great friends. And uh, on that show, uh, you hear the girls screaming, and that's because Elvis just moved slightly—not a lot—just moved his hips, and the girls were were screaming. But uh, it was a nice uh, a nice moment to see them both, and the sound wasn't great. But uh, I think it's worth it just for the historic get together of Mr. Sinatra and Mr. Presley. Um, these are the Cowboy Junkies, a Canadian group that I'm very fond of, and they've written uh, this song. It's Blue Moon. Revisited, subtitled A Song for Elvis. harmonies of the Cowboy Junkies, uh, a band that I love from Canada. And uh, I love listening to them. And now the genius that is Ennio Morricone, one of my favorite tracks from Once Upon a Time in America. Line. um every time I hear that, just the, 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 the mastery, the composition, that beautiful soprano's voice as an instrument, um, it's incredibly moving. And uh, another part of my little story, I was in, on the board of the Abbey Theatre for about five or six years, and during this centenary, I was the chairman of the centenary committee, so they asked me to put together um, a video that would um, encourage people to um, contribute to the Abbey Theatre Centenary Fund. So believe it or not, that's the tune that I used um, once upon a time. In the West, I used it for the Abbey Theatre and I thought it had a great um, ability to tug at the heart, heartstrings and we wrote a script and John Kavner read it and uh, they loved it. It was um, very successful. A history of the Abbey up to the present day. Well, from one theatre to another, uh, this is a show that uh, I also directed in the Bramer Rooms. And it is my dear friend, and I do have many of the dear friends in the business, and it's Niall Tobin. We'll talk a little bit more about him after this.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
6: Thank you very, very much indeed and since I don't anticipate getting a bigger hand than that for the rest of the night, in conclusion let me say um, that you're all very welcome. It's nice to see so many old familiar faces, well old faces anyway. This is going to be an evening, despite the start, of moral and educational entertainment. Uh, We are going out to better you and make you better people. Uh, And for that reason, here beginneth the first lesson. Geography. Ireland, the geographers tell us, is an island. It's 300 miles long and 150 miles thick. (laughs) And... It is inhabited by an admixture of races. You have Celts, Danes, Normans, Saxons, Anglo Saxons, Huguenots, Palatines, Orange men, Scotsmen, and a number of subspecies, <laughs> such as Yalla bellies, <laughs> sheep stealers, <laughs> hern stranglers, stone throwers cute (laughs) car-coors and man-cabin bastards (laughs) what but easily the most entertaining or the most interesting of these subspecies are the Dublin men now almost a vanishing race but still with us in sufficient numbers to man the terraces of Hill 16 in Croke Park from which advantageous position they throw toilet rolls at the referee for this reason they are known as the Jacks (laughs) now the most interesting characteristic of a true Dublin man is his capacity for indignation. A Dublin man would rather be indignant than happy any day of the week. <laughs> and I'll give you a few examples. Take the man who was cycling home for his lunch one day and he was passing up uh, Tarras Street near the fire brigade station when he saw men running around with hoses and carrying out fire drill. So he got down off at the bike <laughs> and he looked on very approvingly at all this carry-on until somebody pulled the wrong lever and a jet of water shot out of a hose, hit him in the chest, sent him spinning across the street and left the bike in smithereens on the other side. So he got up, wiped himself down, looked at the fireman and said, James, you wouldn't do it to me if I was on fire. (laughs) another man from rings end who had the same sort of disposition worked all his life as a fitter or a plumber or at least in some job that never necessitated wearing anything but dungarees or dungareans And uh, coming towards the end of his working life, he won a lot of money in the football pools, and he decided that he would go on a world cruise. But as the date of his departure approached, some of his friends began to worry, because he didn't seem to be making any preparations. And one of them came to him and said, listen, isn't it real time you're getting some gear for this trip of yours? I mean, uh, you're always wearing them dungarens. Surely to God you're not going to go around the world in dungarens. So I don't know. I was thinking I might get a suit, but... Few weeks I'd be wearing it, it wouldn't be worth me while, I'd only have to take it off when I come back, you know. <laughs> but it might be no harm if I was to get a new set of dungareens. <laughs> so he got the new set of dungareens, and on his first evening at sea, he was promenading up and down the first class deck when he heard the sound of music and dancing coming from the first class lounge, and he went over to investigate. But as he did, the steward stepped forward and said, I'm awfully sorry, sir, but this is the first class lounge. He said, But I'm a first class passenger. No, no, So we don't want any trouble, do we? That's it, come on. <laughs> and he got him by the elbow and he led him below deck. But later on, they checked the, the, the list of passengers and they found he was a first-class passenger and instructions were given that amends should be made immediately. So the steward came back to him and he said, Captain's compliments, sir. Captain will be awfully pleased if you would dine with him this evening. So what kind of a ship is this? First of all, you wouldn't let me into the dance. <laughs> and now you want me to take me meals with the crew.
0: <laughs> Toby, he was great. And that's from uh, Live in the Bremer Rooms, the, show, the one of the shows that I directed. Uh, and I knew um, Neil quite quite well. His wife was a friend of um, my mother's, or they knew each other. and uh, But he was famous for having... An explosive temper, which I was uh, had the privilege to witness once or twice, but uh, Mike Murphy and he were playing golf uh, in uh, Royal Dublin and uh, things weren't going that well for him and he came up in front of the water and he had to get over the water and get to the other side and he took a, a merciful swing at the ball and the ball went into the water. He picked up his golf bag put all the clubs into it walked to the edge of the water and threw them all in so (laughs) that caused a bit of a sensation people were laughing or trying not to laugh and then they walked on to try how would he sort it out and they looked around and they saw him um, up to his uh, waist in the water attempting to retrieve all his golf clubs And uh, another time I was doing a show with him and uh, Gina Dale, Hayes and the champions in the Cork Opera House. And uh, we made some rehearsals and we had a time for him to come and rehearse. So he came in the door and I knew immediately something was wrong. And he said, who the fuck put up that poster? And "Um, I don't know. Well, my name is not spelt correctly. The I is in the wrong place and you've insulted the wrong man and I'm not going on. So off he stormed and there was a bit of consternation because he was top of the bill. And uh, so I was assigned to out and find him and I did and we, we uh, soft-soaked him and, you know, appealed to his professionalism but he did come back and he did do the show. But that's, that's the side of Nile that was well known. But um, he is fantastic company and a fantastic character. And this is another fantastic artist. Uh, it's Cat Stevens and uh, he's giving advice to his son. So it's father and son.
7: It's not time to make a change. Just relax, take it easy. You're still young. Everything to you, you say you want to start something new, and it's breaking my heart you're leaving, maybe I'm grieving, but if you want to leave, take good care, hope you have a lot of nice things to wear, but then a lot of nice things turn bad out there. Smile. Oh, baby, baby, it's a wild word I'll always remember you
4: like a child, girl I live on the streets, named after a saint Women in the churches, wear powder and paint where the Jews and the Catholics And the Muslims are praying I can tell a prodding From a mile away Goodbye Jimmy Reed Jimmy Reed indeed Give me that old time religion It's just what I need For thine is the kingdom The power and the glory Tell it on the mountain, go tell the real story Tell it in that straightforward, puritanical tone In the mystic hours, where the person's alone Goodbye, Jimmy Reed, Godspeed Up on the Bible, I proclaim a creed proud never took off my shoes to am into the crowd goodbye Jimmy Reed goodbye good nights but a jewel in your crowd that I put out the words they threw everything at me everything in the book i fight with, but butcher's They had no pity. they never lend a hand I can't sing a song that I don't understand Goodbye Jimmy Reed, goodbye good luck I can't play the record cause my needle got stuck A transparent dress suits you well I must confess i break open your grapes, i suck out the juice I need you but my head needs a loose. Goodbye Jimmy Reed. Goodbye so long, I thought I could resist her but I was so wrong What brings you here Oh, nothing much I'm just looking for the man Came to see where he's lying In this lost land Goodbye, Jimmy Reed And everything within you Can't you hear me calling From a down in Virginia
0: That's goodbye, Jimmy Reed, from uh, Bob Dylan's uh, sublime new album, Rough and Rowdy Ways. And it just uh, shows you a man who's almost 80 on the top of his creative power. He's, uh, he's fantastic.
8: Hi, I'm Cuiva de Barra from Throcra. I hope you and those you love are safe and well. In Ireland, we're doing all we can to protect each other. But can you imagine not being able to wash your hands because you don't have running water? That's the reality for many people Throkra supports. This virus knows no borders, but neither should our compassion. Now more than ever, we need your support to protect them. Please give whatever you can. Call 1850 408 408 or visit trokra.org. Trokra, until love conquers fear.
0: And now this is going slightly back in time, but it's another fabulous singer who in this song, it's a little double entendre because a lot of the songs that a black lady sang had a sort of a... A sexual undertone, and uh, so they couldn't be explicit because they might be banned on the radio. But um, Nina Simone says, I want a little sugar in my bowl. I want a
3: little sugar in my bowl.
9: I want a little sweetness down in my soul I could stand some loving, oh so bad I feel so funny, I feel so sad I want a little steam on my clothes Maybe I can fix things up so they'll go What's the matter, daddy? Come on, save my soul I need some sugar in my bowl I ain't fooling I want some sugar in my bowl have been acting different, I've been told Soothe me, I want some sugar in my bowl I want some steam on my clothes Maybe I can fix things up so they'll go
0: lady, a wonderful singer, rather great. Hit was uh, "I put a spell on you," and I might play that later. And talking about people I worked with again, I only remind myself when I do something like this about all the different wonderful people I worked with. But I worked with another man that I loved very much, was Eamon Kelly, the storyteller. And when I was a kid in in Wexford and in Dublin, listening to the radio, listening to the Shanachie in my father's time, and they were fantastic, magical stories. And again, I got to meet him and I got to work with him. And I did a documentary about him called The Man from the Mountains. And uh, John B. Keane and uh, Eamon Kelly and Brian McMahon and um, Brendan Kennelly and a whole lot of luminaries spoke about Eamon Kelly. But um, this is one story. Now, I um, warn you without any apology that it's long, but it's a fantastic story about a returned yank explaining to the locals when he came back what New York was like and what the streets were like. So he's sitting at the fireside and uh, this story unfolds. Stick with it.
10: He said that, that all those skyscrapers in New York, they'd be nearly, Nick was onto his favorite subject, skyscrapers. And there was a man there that said, but wakes were held in a funeral parlor. And Mick was at one of these and he said, the man was laid out inside in a coffin with the lid off and he dressed up in a new suit, same as if he'd be going to a dance, no habit. And Mick thought it was a pity, you know, to be burying him in the good suit. So he was called aside and he was told that there was no back to the suit. I can tell you, (laughs) says Mick, that the Yanks would teach you how to live. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll never forget, We were this night, the house was full, and Mick was on to his favorite subject, skyscrapers. And there was a man there that night, he had um, been in an (coughs) excursion to Cork, and he said, "Um, I suppose Michael, he said that all those skyscrapers in New York, they'd be nearly as tall as one of the spires of St. Finbar's Cathedral in Cork. Well, Mick looked at him, God help your head, says Mick, they'd go down that far in New York before they'd ever think of going up. And those buildings go up so high, they had to take a brick off one chimney to let the moon
3: pass.
10: (laughs) And they go up so quick. I was one morning, Mick said I was going to work and they were digging out the foundations for a high-rise apartment. And when I was coming home from work that evening, the tenants were being evicted for non-payment of rent.
3: (laughs) Well,
10: they all wanted now to know about the topography of New York, and Mick was going to draw a map, and of course there was no sheet of paper big enough in the house. So what did he do? Thunder and turf, only take out the ashes from under the fire and put a fine coating of the ashes like that on the flag of the fire. And then, with the top of old Din Donovan's walking cane, he drew for us the outline of the island of Manhattan in the ashes. He said that it was 10 miles long and three miles wide, bought by the Dutch from the Red Indians for less than $50. Don't you think there were bargains going in those days? (laughs) And then with the top of the walking cane, he drew the avenues running north and south and then he drew the streets running east and west as straight as a die, and Mick said the buildings between two streets that was known as a block, and that there were eight blocks to the mile, if you could believe him. And then he began to call out the names of all the places. Now these were as well known to us as the townlands inside in oururo parish, from hearing them mention the letters home. And he showed us. He showed us Chinatown and he showed us the Bowery and he said that there was a Kinmare Street in Chinatown. Weren't they cut short for names? (laughs) (laughs) And then he showed us Riverside Drive and Columbus Circle and Central Park West. And there was a, a man there and looking down at the map, he said to Mickey, he said, I wonder, he said, where is my sister now? He said, in the middle of all that ashes. <laughs> and Mick said, do you know her number? I do, he said, to the 125 West 84th Street. Oh, I says, Mick, she'll be up here, he said, between Amsterdam and Broadway. That's where she hangs out. That could be true, says Mick, for she works in the laundry.
3: <laughs>
10: <laughs> well, we're putting our caps into our mouths to stop the laughing. <laughs> And the cat that was sitting up there in the hob, you know, he got up and arched his back and opened his mouth, and you'd swear that the cat was laughing too. (laughs) And the dog that was lying here by the fire. Well, that poor old dog, he didn't know it. Half of him was inside in the Hudson River. And the dog, you see, he was asleep, and he had his snout that way down between his two paws and he was barking in his sleep, woof, 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 woof. You know, isn't it lovely to hear a dog barking in his sleep like that? Whatever little images are in his mind, maybe he thinks that he's after sheep in the mountain, are mixed up in some other carry-on. <laughs> and then the dog, he took a deep breath, filled up his lungs, you could nearly count his ribs, and he held in the breath, and then all of a sudden he let it out like that, and demolished three-quarters of an acre of skyscrapers. <laughs> and you could see the little particles of dust rising up between you and the light of the lamp, and you could see Marl Phil's face, and it was like the map of South America. <laughs> and there were Brechner's there that night, there brothers in the Bronx. And there were Sheehan's there, dead sisters in Staten Island. There were cures there, there had uh, brothers in Brooklyn, don't mind those that had uh, relations in Yonkers and the Jersey Shore. And all of these, now they wanted to know where were their relations in America. And Mick said that all these places that were named, that they were outside of the island of Manhattan, up the Hudson and down the Bay, turned to Corny and Rockaway. And to show all these extra places, the chairs had to be pulled back and more ashes brought out. And in the middle of all this caper, what did the cat do? Only hop off the box and marched up Fifth Avenue. you think it was Patrick's day.
3: <laughs> and the
10: dog, we began to call the cat because she'd be carrying the ashes and her pads all over the house. And we were saying, pussy, pussy, pussy. And then the dog hearing us calling the cat, you know, thinking he was being left out or something. The dog got up, walked over, and sat down in the middle of the Bronx. <laughs> began to wag his tail. Now the ashes was rising, and now you could see the look on all Phil's face. And Mick the Fiddler knew that the fat was in the fire, and he began to call the dog over to the Bronx. And he says, nice dog, he says, says, says. And the dog, you know, a big, you know, uh, friendly, half full of a sheep dog. The more Mick spoke to him, the friendlier he got. And the friendlier he got, the more his tail went around like a propeller. <laughs> And he began to churn up the ashes until you couldn't see your finger in front of your face. And out of this thick fog came all filled with the sweeping brush. And as I was the nearest one to her, I got the first crack of it. <laughs> I'll give you the Bronx and I'll give you Chinatown. The same as if she was the mounted police, she cleared the kitchen. We all spilled out the front door like dirty water out of a bucket, bringing to an abrupt ending, make the fiddler's graphic description of the island of Manhattan in the state of New York and the continent of America. They went the low road, I came the high road. They crossed by the stepping stones, I came over the bridge. They were drowned and I was saved. And all I ever got out of my storytelling was shoes of brown paper and stockings of thick milk. I only know what I heard, I only heard what was said, and a lot of what was said was lies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the wonderful uh, Eamon Kelly still makes me laugh. I only know what I heard, and I only heard what was said, and a lot of what was said was lies. <laughs> it's a great uh, tag to the story even though the story is, is comedy it's based on a certain amount of, of fact or of the returning yanks explaining what New York was like to people who had never been there and uh, that was the ashes of the fire and drawing, drawing the streets in with his um, walking stick so he um, lived till uh, 2001 and he was born in 1914 and um, I remember saying to him one time we were having a cup of tea in uh, the Shelburne and we were talking about doing a Christmas special, a Christmas childhood in Kerry and Sebastian Barry. We met with. he was going to write it. It didn't come to pass, as as things often don't. But I said to him, Eamon, you're 80-something. Why why are you still working? And he said, I have to, Grosher, like a lot of the... People in the profession, sure, I have no passion, I have no pension. I have, uh, so all of the years in the rep and being nominated for a Tony and playing on Broadway and touring the world with this show, uh, at the end of the day, it's very hard for actors, even uh, actors as popular um, as Eamon Kelly, wonderful Eamon Kelly, another wonderful man and keeping in the sort of mood of stories about America, this is a fellow that I worked with many times and uh, I really like him. This is the wonderful Johnny
1: McAvoy. I am bidding farewell to the land of my youth and the homes I love so well And the mountains grand of my own native land I am bidding them all farewell with an aching heart I'll bid them adieu For tomorrow I sail far away Oh, the raging foam, For to seek a home On the shores of a hurricane It's not for the want Of employment I'm going It's not for the love of fame That fortune bright May shine over me And give me a glorious name It's not for the want of employment I'm going on this weary and stormy sea But to seek a home for my own true love On the shores of America And I am bidding my last farewell The tears like rain will blind To think of my friends and my own native home And the land I'm leaving behind How they find to die on a foreign land And be buried so far, far away No fond mother's tears will be shed o'er my grave on the shores of the merry I'm bidding farewell to the land of my youth And the homes I love so well And the mountains grand of my own native land I'm bidding them all farewell With an aching heart I'll bid them adieu for tomorrow Rage and for to seek home on the
3: shores
0: of America. That was the wonderful Johnny McAvoy taking a journey to the shores of America, and before that, in America, uh, Eamon Kelly had a story about um, Manhattan and the streets and the cat. Anyway, uh, one of the men, and I'm, I, you know, I, maybe I'm repeating myself, uh, that I admire. I admire so many people in this business, but one that I really admire and I've had the pleasure of working with them a number of times, and I did a documentary called Dubliners Dublin, And uh, as he says himself, he's the last man standing, um, John Sheehan. And he's put out a book of poetry, which I have, which is really good. And I'm going to next week or on the next episode, I'm going to do a special on John Sheehan and the Dubliners. Maybe not the whole programme, but a significant section. But he's a new album out. His first solo album is out and it's really worth a listen. It's fabulous. And this is the title track, Uh, flirting fiddles. You're a Wonder and that was with uh, Jane Clark and it's a whole series of duets with him and uh, Michael Healy and Gavin Murphy and Eamon Campbell and Richie Buckley but it's a really uh, adorable album. It's so light and it's so musically beautiful and uh, the collaboration with the other artists is wonderful so it's worth a listen and uh, you can find it uh, on wherever you buy your albums. You should by that and support John Sheehan. Um, I'm going to do something featuring John tying together the story of um, Ronnie, um, Barney and Luke and himself in poetry and music. So that's um, coming up. If you've been listening to me, and I hope you have, you know by now that that's my signature tune, Because They're Young, which I used uh, in uh, when I was 16, 17, and playing in discos in uh, football clubs and tennis clubs uh, all around Dublin. I had a great time. I loved it, and uh, it gave me a chance to play music that I love. So that's why I'm here. I'm playing music that I love, and I hope you're loving it too. It uh, I do sort of make it up as I go along, and I'm never quite sure how the program uh, hangs together till it's finished. So that's part of the, the, the pleasure and the, the risk-taking of it, if, if it is such a thing. So until the next podcast, love you all.